welcome back here for another radio show with Kobe and Sean. Um, we got a lot in store for you today, but first we're going to start off uh, talking about uh, the loss of Terrence Clark, you know, RIP to Terrence, uh, prayers up for him and his family. Sean, what do you got to say about yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, all the support goes out to him and his family. Great player, you know, former five-star recruit. It's super sad. He, like, literally just signed to Clutch Sports yesterday. Like, he was going to the NBA. He was going to get drafted. And it's just – it's so sad how everything played out. I um, I saw a tweet. I have it up right now. Um, back in 2014 when Isaiah Olsen – do you remember him from Baylor, the big man? Yeah. He uh, was diagnosed with morphine syndrome. They made him a ceremonial pick, and they said that the league should honor Terrence Clark in a similar way. I agree 100% wholeheartedly. Oh, as well. Yeah, it should, it, that's how it should be. That's how it should go. Um, just extremely sad overall and prayers go out to him and his family for sure yeah but on a on a different note we're going to talk about the nba and how's that going right now i mean for me it's going very well i mean the knicks are the hottest team in basketball they've won eight in a row um julius randall he's not the mvp but he is the mvp like he and 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 i won't say that he is the mvp actually I'll, i'll i'll go a little bit further into it i think that if he doesn't win most improved player that's Almost worse than, like, Damian Lillard getting slubbed in, like, the 2018 All-Star game. Oh, yeah. Because he went from averaging, like, 18 and, like, 7 turnovers a game. Like, that's an exaggeration. But 18 and however many turnovers a game to 25, 11, 7 assists, 2 turnovers a game. Like, he is by far the most improved player in the league. And if he doesn't win it... MSG is going to be a riot. <laughs> I um, agree with you. I agree with you. I mean, Julius Randle has been playing lights out. The whole Knicks team has been playing eight eight straight wins, right? Yeah. I mean, eight straight wins, and that that moved you guys up to the four seed. So you, you guys are moving along. And speaking of moving along, um, my Wizards are now the Wizards in the play-in. Yeah. yeah, you guys are in there. Um, you're in the playing tournament, six in a row. I always kind of expected the Wizards to get good, like to get going at the end of the season, just because they have so much talent, and then they have like good young talent too, like Rui Hachimori and Denny Abdija. Like they're good players, like they're really good players. And then on top of that, you have Bradley Beal, who's one of the best scorers in the league, Russell and Russell Westbrook, Westbrook like a former MVP. He can have, he can get a triple double any night, like he wants. But yeah, I I think the Wizards can like I could I could see the Wizards getting in at the ten for the playing tournament, and then making the seven seed. Like somehow getting into the seven seed, or I don't, I don't know how it works. But I guess it would be the eight seed technically because of record. Yeah. But like they, they, like I could see them winning the play-in tournament. I can as well. Yeah. Um. We also. So what else do we have? We have um. To round it up, I mean the Hawks. Trey Young went down the other day against the Knicks. A little scary. I think he should be back though. I don't know if they play tonight or not, but um. I can see. He, he should be back. It was just a. It was a small ankle injury. Limped off the court a little bit, but big reason why the Knicks won. Speaking of guys being back, uh, I heard Lamelo Ball might be back in the next week or so. I don't know if it's the next week. I, I think I do think he'll be back if they make the playoffs. So. It was like it was like a week or two. He could he could possibly be back, and I think that's big for the Hornets. I mean, he he's I, he is he is their star player, like yeah. one of their top players. So it, they get him back early enough for the playoffs. They could maybe even push for uh, a higher seed. Maybe get maybe even get the sixth seed take over Boston or take that seven seed for Miami. Yeah, I mean, this is this is kind of what I figured the Hornets were going to do. Like, when LaMelo went down, like, they were playing very well. I think they were in, like, they were a top five seed. Obviously, they fell off a little bit because their point guard's not there. Like, their best player, their rookie. Rookie of the year, most likely, if he didn't get injured. Um, they wanted to win more games and get into, like, above the play-in tournament because the play-in tournament is, like, 
you don't want to be at the playing tournament. Yeah. It feels like it's not March Madness, obviously, but it feels like that. Like anything can happen. Like any team can win. But they wanted to get into the six seed or above before the playoffs. Have Lamelo come back for the playoffs, and then they can maybe make a little run. Obviously, they've fallen into the eighth seed. Got to do some catching up now. They're four games back. Um, so yeah, I agree. I think that I think they will bring Lamelo back if he if he's good to go. If he gets cleared by doctors, he'll be on the team. Um, who's your most shocking team in the Eastern Conference? I have mine, but I want to hear yours. Most shocking team, whether it was disappointing or like good. I mean, disappointing. I'm going to go with Boston. I thought Boston was definitely a, a better team this year. They had a better chance to play well. But most shocking, I got to go with your Knicks. I, I wouldn't expect them to be the four seed right now. I, I, I wouldn't even expect them to be in the playoffs, to be honest with you. I Actually, my most, my most uh, like, team who I think is, like, playing below average, below the level they should be, is definitely the Heat. I mean, they were just the NBA Finals runner-up. And now you're pl- you're you're on the verge of playing in a playing game at the seventh seed. You still you still got the same guys, but you got Jimmy Duncan, Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo, and then you added Victor Oladipo to the team, and and yet you're still Kendrick Nunn, Duncan Robinson, everybody like they have their, they brought their entire team back. And that's my that's my most like underperforming team of the year too. And I mean, you're not playing how you should be. Like yeah. they, they were they were a team who everybody talked about. Oh, they're going to be back here. They're going to be at the finals again, and yet. They're at the seventh seed, looking looking like it could be a first round exit this year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the Heat are definitely my most underperforming team this year. Like like you said, they have everybody back, like insane. It's I, I don't even get it. Um, my most overperforming, like the the team that's done the most, like like better than like what I would have expected from the beginning of the season is the Knicks. I think that's pretty much everybody's pick. But I will say, like shockingly, the seventy sixers are holding on to the one seed. That's surprising to me because the Nets have so much firepower, and like they're not in the one seed. Like that's a little, like that that's impressive to me as a fan looking onto it that the Seventy Sixers are the one seed. Well, I think the Nets have been on and off with injuries lately. I mean, it's either it's either Katie's hurt and Harden and Kyrie are playing. At least one of the top three players they have, top three stars, is always hurt. So I think that's a big factor in their games. I mean, I think Katie. Came, I think James Harden still isn't back yet. KD, I think, almost got reheard or got reheard again. I'm pretty sure KD's on limited minutes right now. That's what, that's what I, I think, if I remember correctly. So it's just pretty much Kyrie out there. And then they just lo- lost LaMarcus Aldridge to his retirement. So th- that's a big factor, too. So I think they're they're having a, a bit, of, bit of, like, problems within the team. But the 76ers, healthy, got almost MVP Joel Embiid. Um... Ben Simmons, of course, defensive player of the year. Sh- yeah. Should be defensive player of the year. And then you got guys who can – all-star players who can help out as well. You got Seth Curry, uh, Tobias Harris. You just have so many so many threats. And I, I think the 76ers could, could have a chance to make a big run. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's not like – it's like everybody thinks the Nets are going to come out of the Eastern Conference. And I and me and you both do. We've talked about this before. Yeah. But, like, the Sixers being on top is – that's what I'm saying is impressive to me right now. Like even without KD and Harden playing, the Nets are still a very good team. So the Sixers being on top with that firepower that the Nets have, and even the Bucks have. Like the Bucks have a really good team too. They just got they have Drew Holiday, Giannis, Chris Middleton. Like they have everybody, and then they add they took away Eric Bledsoe and added Drew Holiday. So that's an upgrade right there. Yeah. Um, but like, like, like I'm just saying the Sixers being on top. I, I do think one of the top three teams is going to make 
the finals. The finals. Yes. yes. I don't think it's going to be. I think the I think the Knicks or the Hawks like they can make a little run. But I could see a four or five seed going to the Eastern Conference tournament and lo- or the Eastern Conference final and losing. But I think it's going to be one of those top three teams making it to the finals. I agree. And we'll come back at the short break to talk about the West. We are back here again, and we're going to start talking about the West. Um, yeah, I mean, just a basic overview of the West. Like, not much has changed at the top. It's still the Suns, uh, Jazz, Suns, Clippers. Got the Nuggets at the four seed. Still so sad what happened with Jamal Murray. Like, I thought the Nuggets could have made a big run this year. I feel like that's going to be a bit it factor this, this year. I yeah. Mean, he's a key player to, for that team. And to lose Jamal Murray, um, it's, it's clearly – uh, that the Nuggets might not go as far as they could. They could have been at the finals. They could have they could have beat the Lakers or maybe even the Jazz this year and maybe be that team to go in the finals. Just like last year, they were so close but lost to the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, I mean, like yeah, like and speaking of the Lakers, we got them next. Lose their two best players. Andre Drummond comes in. He's an All Star now. Kyle Kuzma's an All Star now. Like they're eleven games over five hundred. It's crazy. Um, if they can sit at that five seed or that four seed and somehow, like, like obviously I think LeBron and AD will be back for the playoffs. I think everybody is I kind of... AD, 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 is he back right now? I think he was back yesterday. Okay. Yeah, he might have been. He came um, back yesterday. But, yeah, like, even when, but like when they get LeBron back and they have that full team, they're the best team in the West. I mean, I think everybody knows it. Like, obviously the Jazz have played very well. The Suns have played extremely well. Um... The Clippers are the Clippers. They're going to lose. They're going to blow a 3-1 lead like they always do. Playoff Paul. Playoff Paul George is terrible. Um, and it's sad because I love Kawhi Leonard, too. Like, Kawhi Leonard is one of my favorite players in the league. But the Lakers are the best team in the West when they have everybody healthy. And apparently when they don't have everybody healthy, they still win. So, yeah. even though they're on a two-game skate right now. Um, getting to the sixth seed, bottom half of the West, we have the Trailblazers, Dame Dalla, CJ McCollum. Like, I mean... The thing with the Trailblazers is that they do this every single year. Every year. Every year. Like, they're always, like, right in, like, between, like, five to seven. Five to seven is where they sit. And then they come in and they they shock somebody in the first round, like the Clippers a couple years ago when Dame hit that shot on Paul George, playoff Paul. Um, and then they lose in the second round. Yeah. Like, they never make it further than that. But they always, they always, they always win the first round, like, something like that. But um, after that, we have the Mavericks. Sad team this year, you know. I, I thought they were going to be so much better than they are. Luca, Luca's still magical, you know. He's like a unicorn, but, I mean, it's just... Speaking of unicorns, Chris Yeah, Dabbs. yeah, Porzingis, too. The <laughs> unicorn. Um, But, like, they're... They could be so much better than they are, you know. Uh, Grizzlies at 8, 29-28. Not bad. I mean, like, that's a that's a good spot for the Grizzlies to be in John Moran's rookie, uh, sophomore season. So, and Jaron Jackson's in his third year. Um... Dylan Brooks is on that team. Like they, they, they have a good young core, and, like, they're probably yeah. going to be good in a couple of years. Like, they're going to be, like, top of the West. Um, Spurs. Yeah, the Spurs. I feel, I feel like they're old. I don't even know who's on the Spurs right now. DeMar DeRozan. Um, that's the only person I know, really, on the Spurs. I'm not going to lie. I have not watched the Spurs this year, and I honestly – I don't even know how they're doing or what, honestly. Yeah, I, don't think, I don't think I've watched a single Spurs game this year. And I know they've played the Knicks, too, but – I don't think I watched that game. Um, ten seed Warriors, and after that we'll forget about it because the Warriors, Stephen Curry, he's carrying is the team nuts. He's I mean, he'll drop forty and go, and he like there was a stat that I saw like he, something he dropped, crazy. I think he dropped. It was like 40, 40, 39, 40, 40. I mean, he single handedly beat yeah, the he, 76ers. He made, like there was someone that said he made like forty five of his last fifty threes. Like it was it was a nuts stat that like as a basketball player, if I ever hit forty five out of fifty threes, I'll retire on the spot. 
Like, literally, I will retire on the spot because I don't want to, like... Like, that's just nuts to me. Like, I'll be like, yeah, I'm the greatest shooter I ever buy. He hit... He hit Curry hit 10 threes to beat the 76ers and had 49 points. I mean, he's just been going off lately. Like, he dropped... It was, like, 40, 40, 39. Like, he just... He keeps dropping 40-point games on these teams. Yeah. Like, he... I think he's single-handedly carrying the Warriors to the playoffs right now. The play... I, I, didn't, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I don't think they're going to be, like, the sixth seed, but they could easily make the play-in tournament, and Curry will win a play-in tournament game because he's Steph Curry. And then, like, Draymond, playoff Draymond's so different from regular season Draymond because he's so, like, passionate and he's into it. Um, and then maybe they get some help from James Wiseman there. And uh, Yeah, James Wiseman could be, like, he could come back fully healthy. Um, Kelly Oubre, Andrew Wiggins, been playing decent. Like, they're not the best shooters, obviously, but they can definitely do something. But that's the scope for the 10 seeds in the West. Now we're going to do the same thing we do with the Eastern Conference. Give, so, Kobe, give me your biggest surprise of the year and the most underperforming team of the year. Biggest surprise of the year. Definitely going to go with both the Jazz and the Suns. Was not expecting them to be the one and two seeds. I was thinking it's going to be the battle of L.A. You get the Clippers and Lakers. But as you see, the Lakers have been hit hard with injuries. And then the Clippers are just underperforming very much so. So I'm going to go with the Jazz and the Suns. And like, like we said earlier in a few other shows, uh, Chris Paul is definitely the it factor there. I mean, wherever Chris Paul goes, a team plays super well. As you can see, last year with the Thunder, no one was expecting them to make the playoffs, made the sixth seed, won, a, won the first round. Uh, and then this year, he's he's with Devin, a young Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, a very young team. Me, was it Mikael Bridges? Um, Mikael Bridges. Yeah, DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker. Um, I want to say they, they have like a young four, too. Uh, but, but they, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with the – the biggest surprise. I think it's the Jazz, not necessarily the Suns, because, like, you see that Suns team on paper, and they're supposed to be really, really good, like, with all that talent they have. They're young. You bring in the best veteran point guard in the league, best point guard of, like, this era, probably, in Chris Paul, and now they're good. Like, I mean, like, I'm not, like, I'm not going to say I expected them to be this good, but, like, I'm not surprised that they're this good, you know what I mean? Yeah. The Jazz, however, I am surprised that they're this good, because, like, if you remember, they were, uh, I think they were up 3-1 on the Nuggets, the Nuggets came back from a 3-1 deficit last year in the bubble. Donovan Mitchell missed that last second shot. It was it was like yeah. it was heartbreaking for the Jazz, so I guess they could come back and Quinn Snyder's a great coach, so um I just didn't expect with the roster that they have to be the number one seed in the West and only have lost fifteen games at this point in the season and one forty four. That's kinda crazy to me. But we'll talk about the biggest underperformance of the season. I think we could both agree on this the Clippers. I mean I I don't think the Clippers are underperforming now. Oh yeah, I've, I mean Mavericks. they're forty-two and nineteen. I'm gonna go with the Mavericks. Mavericks. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the Mavericks. Because I mean, you you would expect Luca, Kristaps, and those guys. Yeah, to and play, like play better. Have, the thing is, they have Luca and Kristaps as their like two main guys, which like already should put you into like the like not in play in tournament situation. Like you should be higher than that. You should be like at least a five. Yeah, maybe even a four. Yeah. Um, but like on top of that, they have so many shooters around them. Like they have guys like uh, Jalen Brunson. I think is on the Mavericks. Tim Hardaway Jr. Um. I'm thinking of one more, but I can't. It's that's on the tip of my tongue. It won't come out. But uh, uh, Dwight Powell, the big man that can shoot. Like they have so many people around them. Um, we have like a minute left with this segment, so I want to talk about one more team because it reminded me when you brought up Chris Paul effect. The Thunder. They stink. They've that's lost terrible. twelve in a row, and they've benched everybody on their lineup because they want to play the young guys. They even been shy, which makes no sense. Um, benched Al Horford. It's just crazy that the Thunder are this bad, and I like they're zero and ten. Their last ten lost twelve in a row. Speaking of like zero and ten, I mean the the Rockets and 
Timberwolves are both eliminated from the uh, from the playoffs at this point. Um, Rockets just had the worst year I've ever seen in my life. After James Harden left, they just I think they lost what 10, 15 in a row. Yeah, something like that. I mean, they, and you'd think they'd be better too with like John a John Wall, Wall type of player. So and they got rid of Victor. So yeah, uh, it's just, it's just it's crazy that like the the Rockets are so bad. Yeah. And, like, they've been so good for our entire lives. So, But that's all we have for this segment here. We'll be back shortly with the next one. We're back here again, and uh, we're going to start this segment off talking about Major League Baseball. We're going to start here with the the American League. I mean, the American League right now is up for grabs, of course. I mean, you you got teams playing well. You got Boston, Tampa Bay, Kansas City, Seattle and Oakland both playing well over there in the AL West. So the the American League is up for grabs. Um, you got teams overperforming, like I, I would say Boston. I mean, unexpected to see them playing this well right now, especially early in the season. So you never know. But also got teams underperforming. Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota has been a top team the past two years. You would expect them to play better. They got the same guys last year: Nelson Cruz, uh, Brian Buxton. You'd think they're playing well. And then, speaking of teams playing bad, uh, your Yankees, Sean. Your Yankees. Terrible. I mean, they're terrible. I, I don't know what's happening. They're 7-11. and 11, And I, there was a point where they were I, – I, I saw – I followed an Instagram account. It's like – it like gives you odds or whatever. And they were, like, clear-cut favorite to win the AL this year. Like, with Garrett Cole and, like, coming back. And, like, every, every everything was, like, going to go our way, finally. And then this starts. We lose Luke Voigt glue guy and now we're 7-11 and we're on the bottom and it just showed the two pictures of us being the favorite to win the American League and then us being on in last place in the American League conference and it was terrible very upsetting um but yeah I, I agree with you I think the Red Sox are overperforming um the Rays are very good obviously Champa Bay and with the Yankees can't beat them for anything to save their lives <laughs> it's terrible um glass now like they, they just have they're so complete. Like the Rays are one of the best teams in the AL for sure, yeah. and I think they could easily win it this year. I mean, they're reigning champs last year. I mean, I think they can definitely make them run for it and go back again. And then the Yankees again. Uh, Jay Bruce retires. I mean, that came out of nowhere. It was not literally expecting that. out of nowhere. I was so confused. I was like, I was like, didn't like we literally just signed you? Like, why, why are you? Why are we traded for you? Whatever happened, but like, and then you just retire out of nowhere. And now we need Luke Voigt back, bad, like badly. We need yeah. Luke Voigt back. Um, down to the Central, Kansas City Royals, White Sox. The White Sox are really like I like the White Sox a lot. Like, I like watching them play because they're just so complete. Like one to nine is a, like there's a chance for like yeah a, like a like a bomb to go like one through I mean, nine. It's awesome. So they got they got great hitters. You got Jose Abreu, Edwin Encarnacion, and Edwin Encarnacion. I mean Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson's just the swagger guy. I mean he has so much swagger to him, and he br- he clearly brings that to the table there. Yeah. Um, and the Central, and then the Indians, Tigers, Twins. I don't know much about them. You said the Twins were have been good the last few years. I mean, Falling off this year, so they're definitely underperforming, I guess. Oh, clearly underperforming. I mean, the Twins have been a playoff team the past few years, and to see them bottom, literally bottom of the American League at 6-11 and 11 is just shocking to me. Uh, they're just underperforming. Uh, playing down to a level that is very unexpected. I mean, they they were in the power rankings. They were like top ten, and now they're they're not even close to that. So it's shocking to see them play like this. Definitely. And then into the ALS, Manners Athletics. The Athletics they started off really bad, and they've won ten in a row right now. They've they're ten and zero in their last ten. So they're definitely a team that's hot in the AL. 
I think they could they could win the West and then make a run at the Rays for the uh, American League title. I agree with you there. And then um, speaking of the West, I mean, a team that everybody's happy that's playing terribly is the Astros. I mean, mm-hmm. these cheaters are getting what they deserve. They're not playing well. I mean, clearly I think they need the trash can back because nothing else is working for them. But a uh, team underperforming in the AL West, I think the Angels The Angels could be definitely playing better. I mean, I think they have a great team. You have the best player in baseball, Mike Trout. Uh, Shohei Otani, the man can, the man can roll it. Showtime. Showtime Otani. I mean, he can he can literally dice it up on the mound and then hit a bomb if he needs to. Um, Anderson Simmons, you got guys like that. I mean, I don't know what the Angels are doing right now. They lost two straight. So so um, I hopefully they find their groove in the middle of the season, find find anything and get it going. But speaking back on the uh, athletics here, I mean. They started off the season two and seven, and they've won two ten ten straight games. So they're clearly on a hot streak. I mean, Mount Nels, Matt Olson over there. Uh, forget who else they got, but they're clearly playing to like playing. I, I'd say they're the they're overperforming. Yeah, I you know I can see that for sure, and that's the thing with that's why I'm not that worried about the Yankees yet, is because like if we if we think about it, we're what five games back. Like four and a half games back of the A's right now, right? And if the A's are on top, yeah, A's A's are on top. We're four and a half games back of them and the Mariners, and it's like it's just so early in the season to know what's going to happen at the end of the season. So I think the Yankees can still get hot, and the A's can get cold. Like it's it's anything can happen, really. I mean, yeah, it's early in the season. We're only like twenty games in, and um, teams are just playing at their best right now. So usually the Yankees, I think they would like. Uh, pop out and um, perform uh, exponentially during the middle of the season because usually in the middle of the season the Yankees over are are at their best. That's when they show up mid late season and then mid late season for my guys the Orioles. That's when we start to decel and we start winning maybe one out of every eight games. So we'll see how that goes there. Hopefully we can stay. Uh, I'd say. Uh, Bit of a groove right now. We're eight and ten, uh, third in the third in the AL East, uh, behind Tor- behind Tampa and Boston, and but in front of Toronto and your Yankees. So that's going well for us. Yeah, definitely. Um, talk, we just talked about the American League. Let's move on to the National League for a little bit, start it, and then we can finish it up next segment. Um, just starters, like underperforming team, got to be the Mets. It's like. They have the best pitcher in baseball, almost. Like I, I'd say, I'd say Degrom is the best pitcher in baseball, or top three for sure. Yeah. And all they can do is leave bases loaded with no outs, and then they get three outs in a row. They can't hit. They poured so much money into this uh, organization, and now they're just that bad. And it's kind of sad to see. And then obviously, best team in the NL, probably the best team in baseball, the Dodgers. They are nuts. The Dodgers are literally a complete team. I think they have everybody back as last year. And then. Uh, Speaking on the Dodgers, I mean the, the series between the Dodgers and the uh, Padres was was amazing. I mean, they're so exciting because like the Dodgers are the like the Dodgers are like Goliath, and the Padres are just so exciting to watch, and they just crank home runs. Like they have Machado, they have uh, Tatis, Tatis Eric Cosmer, yeah, Eric Cosmer. That's what I was thinking of. Um, and they just crank home runs. It's nuts. And then the Dodgers are just the best team in baseball, and they're obviously gonna like put up a fight with that. They have a two-headed monster at pitcher in uh, Kershaw and Bauer. So 
it's it's crazy how how good the Dodgers are, and they should definitely come out of the NL. Oh, I agree. Uh, going back on the Dodgers and Padres game, um, I saw I saw this thing. It was um, well, the way that they played, it was a three game series. Uh, the Dodgers took two of the three, but the way the first game ended, uh, it was second and third. Uh, Mookie Betts makes a diving catch to uh, in in the game. Second game, uh, I think Max Muncy hits a, hits a game winner in the eighth inning to give them the lead. But then the Padres game three would make a comeback and then beat the Dodgers. So that's going to be interesting for the next the next couple uh, games. So I'm gonna I can't wait to watch the Dodgers and Padres play a lot this year. But that's all we have for this segment. We'll be actually with the next one. We are back here again, and um, we're going to talk about the National League again. Uh, get more in, get more a bit in depth. Uh, we started talking about the Padres and the uh, Dodgers and how that series was great, how those two teams are playing pretty well. But we're going to talk about the teams that are playing pretty bad right now. I mean, you got the Rockies and the Nationals. I mean, the Nationals, I, they got three three of the three top ten pitchers in the National League right now. You got Patrick Corman, Max Scherzer, and Steven Strasburg. Yet you're seven and nine. You got Josh Bell, uh, Josh Harrison. Juan Soto, Trey Turner, Victor Robles. You got you got pretty much some. You got Speedster and Trey Turner, and Victor Robles, and you got power hitters and Soto, Bell, and Harrison. Yet you're seven and nine. I mean, they're clearly underperforming, uh, not playing to how they should be. I mean, they were just the World Series champions two years ago, so I don't know what's happening uh, over there. And then you got the Rockies. Uh, Rogers. Charlie Blackman, Trevor Story. I, yeah, I don't I mean, know what's happening there. Definitely underperforming as well. Both these teams, like the Nat, like you said, the Nationals are like the Rockies aren't as amazing like on paper as the Nationals, obviously. Yeah. And the Nationals underperforming is just a shocker to me because, like you said, they have so many players. They have Kyle Schwarber, Juan Soto, and then they have, they have Scherzer, uh, Steven Strasburg. Like they they have a lot of good players, um, and they're just not they're not they're not cutting it. I, but I think they could be in a similar boat to the Yankees. You know, like there, it's early in the season. They could easily start performing at the end of the season, and it's it, it could happen like that, like easily. Um, another team that's not underperforming or overperforming, but performing pretty much just right is the Philadelphia Phillies. You know, maybe a little bit underperforming because they have they have some good players, but sitting at nine and nine, what do you think about them? I mean, I feel like the Phillies definitely definitely should be uh, above five hundred right now. Uh, they lost two games to the Giants. Uh, I think the one game they had like ten hits and zero runs. It was two nothing game the other day, uh, and then the other game they lost like three one. And then I I watched their last series game against the Giants, and they they almost blew that. They were four one in the seventh inning. Uh, gave up a gave up a three run bomb, and then uh, later in that inning, uh, you get McCutcheon makes an error in left field. They score the Giants score again. It's five four. But then uh, they bounce back. You get Bryce Harper to hit a hit a solo shot to deep right center field. So that helped out as well. You know, Bryce Harper has been playing well. I, I love watching Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper is literally fun to watch. He makes yeah. baseball fun. And then uh, ninth inning, I mean, the Phillies pitching staff played well. You got uh, Spencer Howard. So he, he pitched well to close out the eighth. And then you got uh, – I forget the next guy's name. He closed out the ninth inning, but then you get, I think it's first and second, uh, get a walk-off base hit to win the game. So uh, clearly the Phillies got guys who can play well and get the job done. Um, I'd just love to see them do it more. And then another team playing not too bad, but not 
what we would expect is the Mets. Crazy. I mean, I I know more about New York baseball than everything else, obviously, but like the Nets. The, I mean, the Mets. Obviously, sorry. The Mets have Jacob Degrom, uh, Taiwan Walker, another really good pitcher, and then they spend all this money on like Michael Conforto. They have Francisco Lindor. They bring back Pete Alonso. They still have Syndergaard on the t- on the team. So like, I'm just confused on how they are so like not as good as they should be. And maybe you can enlighten me on that and how, like, who's not playing well. But, like, from what I know is that Jacob DeGrom's on the mound. He'll pitch a perfect seven innings and not let up a run. And then the the, uh, the bullpen comes in. They leave people on base. That's all they do. And then they just can't win. So what are your thoughts about the Mets? I mean, I agree with you. They should, they should definitely be playing well. You got uh, Dominique Smith, Peter Alonso, Franklin Francisco Lindor, Michael Conforte, Jeff McNeil. You got you got guys who can hit Jacob DeGrom, Marcus Stroman. You got pitchers. So I, I don't know what's going on with that team. I mean, the you, I mean their center fielder is literally Brandon Brandon Nemo Nemo is literally batting a three to six average. Uh, you got got you pretty much half the team is over two hundred. You got Pete Alonso. He's batting two thirty one right now. Francisco Lindor two hundred four. Dominique Smith, 250. I mean, Michael Conforto might be the factor. I mean, he's only batting 178. Uh, Jeff McNeil's batting 163. So not too many guys are batting that bad. So I, I don't really understand what the Mets are doing either. It's just crazy. Like, they can't hit when there's runners in scoring position, which is like, you're not going to win in baseball if you leave people on the bases. Like, if you leave someone in scoring position, like on second base, with no out. Like, let's say there's somebody on second base, no outs. The ground just pitched a beautiful inning, three backwards case. Let's put it that way. And then you, they, they they strike out three times in a row. It's nuts. I mean, I just don't understand the Mets at all. It's like they've, they've always been like this. They could have so much hype in the beginning of the year and be so ready, never get out of their own shadow. I agree with you. Or the yeah. Yankee shadow. <laughs> um, another team I think uh, I, I thought would play better is probably the Cubs. I mean, the Cubs, I'm, ever since they lost the World Series, the Cubs have just been kind of struggling. They've been deselling instead of excelling. I mean, uh, they got they got great guys. You got Javi Baez, Chris Bryant, uh, Jock Peterson. Jo- Jock, yeah, you just got Jock Peterson from the from the Dodgers. So you you definitely got guys there. I just yeah. don't understand what's going on. But speaking of the Cubs right now, they're actually beating Milwaukee two nothing in the bottom of the first. Hopefully. They can get that dub there. Yeah, hopefully I mean, they get it done. Um, well, Milwaukee's a pretty good team. I mean, Yelich. Yeah, I mean, Yelich, is, he's probably going to – shot he wins MVP again probably. But, like, then you got on top of that, you have um, Lindor with the Braves. Face of baseball. Uh, or not Lindor. Uh, Acuna, that's what I mean. Acuna. Acuna, he's the face of baseball. It's nuts. Um, Ron Acuna is – I agree. He's amazing. He's a great player. Face Him baseball. and Ozzy Albi in, um, in Atlanta, I mean – what is Atlanta? I mean, Atlanta's not playing great either. They're eight and ten, but maybe they step it up by the end of the year, midseason, like we said with the Yankees. These are like teams where you see like they start off the year not playing too well, but hopefully by the midseason, late season, they get it going. Yeah, push that playoff run and uh, uh, pretty well. I mean, last season they lost to St. Louis, and um, I think it was last season they lost to St. Louis. No, no, no. They lost to the Dodgers last year. Two years ago, they lost to St. Louis, where I thought they were going to be that team that makes the World Series run. But they they didn't show up. But last year, they faced the world champion Dodgers and lost in, um, I think, five or six games there. So definitely 
playing not well at the moment, but I could definitely see them picking things up mid-late season. Um, so we have a little bit of time left, so let's talk about your um, – what are your picks for the World Series right now? With the, with the season going on. I know we did it before the season, but, like, right now, what is it? Right now, I would have to say the Dodgers clearly are the front runners for the yes. National League. In the American League, I definitely can think that's up for grabs. I mean, I don't know who could come out the American League. At first, I was thinking the Yankees, but uh, the past few seasons, the Yankees haven't made it out that ALCS game. So I- I'm I'm gonna stick with the Yankees, but I could definitely maybe see. I could definitely go with uh, the A's going at it, or maybe Tampa goes back and tries to get revenge on the Dodgers. How about you? Well, I'm, I think we're on the same boat. you got to go Dodgers. There's no other way around it. And then <clears throat> I think the Yankees will step it up. But, like, looking at what has happened so far this season, I'm going to go with the Rays again because, like, they're they're still a very good team. Like, they are they have a good team uh, top to bottom, and they can easily come in, and they're going to be hungry to get revenge on the Dodgers. So, Okay, that's all we have for this segment. We'll be back shortly for the next one. Back again. We're going to start this one off talking about the New Jersey rule that the NFL has had. Um, Sean, how do you feel about this? Personally, I like it. I know a lot of players and owners don't love it, but like, or even coaches don't like it. But like, obviously, like like guys that are big to the game, Belichick thinks it's stupid. Um, Brady called it dumb. Um, but I personally like it just because like I'm a college football fan too. So like, just imagine seeing Chase Young coming at you. He's got number two on instead of 99. Like, that's so scary. And he's, like, wearing the crop top. Like, that'd be sick. Like, kind of similar to, like, Ezekiel Elliott when he was in college. I mean, I, I love it. And I think, like, like seeing, like, a Justin Jefferson, like, back in his LSU days, he wore number two. And then Jamar Chase wore number one. Let's see if he goes to the Bengals, he wears number one. Like, that'd be pretty cool to see because they can't do that right now. And I do think that, like, like players should be able to pick, like, where they want to be. Yeah. So, like, like obviously – Obviously, I'm going to see, like, Mackay Beckton or Quentin Nelson, like, wearing number two. But, like, they should be able to wear, like, like if they want to wear, like, number 50 as an O-tackle, they should be able to. It, like, that's kind of how I feel about it. And I, I don't know how you – I know you said you don't know about it really right now. But, like, yeah, I don't know how I'm I here to convince you that it's a good thing. See, I'm, like, on what Tom Brady said, I kind of agree with. I mean, you see a lineman wearing a single-digit number. It's going to be confusing to, like, know which guys are who and all this other – this, that, and the other. I mean, because they're wearing single-digit numbers. So it's going to be a bit confusing as a quarterback to, like, realize this and stuff like that. I mean, the the number rule is receivers can wear 1 through 49 and 80 through 89. Defensive backs can choose 1 through 49. Linebackers 1 through 59. And 90 through 99. Offensive linemen are 50 through 79. Defensive line is 50 through 79. So, right there, Chase Young can't even wear number two. So, that's that's kind of... Well, yeah, that kills that point. But, like, still, that. Like, that's my Justin Jefferson point still there. Like, yeah. A cornerback, like uh, Patrick Sertain, like, that's one person coming out of the draft this year, and he wears number two right now. That would look pretty cool on the outside. Like, you got to admit that. It would look pretty cool if he was rocking number two on the outside for the Cowboys. Yeah, but it's been like I'm. I'm just so used to like defensive backs being like tw- being in the twenties. I like Marlon Humphrey changing from twenty nine to forty four. At first, I was like, ah, it's kind of weird, but you, you get used to it. But I, I guess I could get used to it if this thing does happen. Hopefully, it doesn't because like I like my guys and their jersey numbers, especially the people who are buying their jerseys. I mean, uh, people just bought. I mean, especially as a Ravens fan. I mean, I know a bunch of people bought the twenty nine Marlon Humphrey jersey, and then Earl Thomas comes around. 
the Marlins changes to 44, so you got to go get 44 now. And this man, Marlins, talking about changing the number one and stuff. So don't even get me started on jersey purchases, man. Like I, the Jet Jets getting a Jets jersey is a graveyard. Like you're digging yourself your own grave. It's like <laughs> I, I'll, I'll tell you the last three, the last three jerseys I've gotten: Jamal Adams, mm-hmm. um, Sam Darnold, and Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> and all three of those players were supposed to be huge parts of our future. They leave. Like, you get those three jerseys, and then they're all gone. And then, like, I'm just happy I still have, like, an old school, like, Darrell Revis jersey. Because you can wear that for the rest of, like, time if oh, you really want yes. to. But the one nice thing about having the Jamal Adams jersey still is, like, put the Seahawks this year. I wrote Snake on the back over the Adams. So it was nice. Like, I could I could root against them still. <laughs> um, See, the last three jerseys I've got are an 89 Steve Smith Sr. jersey. Fair. Uh, you can wear that forever. Lamar Jackson jersey. That's that's definitely going to be one forever. And then a Justin Tucker jersey. Most people, most people. So you're fine. You're fine. Exactly. Yeah. Like the Jets are different. Like you're. It's a graveyard. Most people don't understand the Tucker jersey. jersey one. They're like, why did you get a kicker? I mean, when you got the best kicker in the league, I mean, every time we're sitting there at home, we're like, oh, and Tucker, we trust this dude's going to make this. But I mean, speaking of Tucker, last year, I mean, didn't have a great year. Scares me a bit. He's, he's scaring me a I bit. Mean, still, he's still probably the best kicker in the league. We'll, we'll, I'll give him. The, I'll give him probably the. There's best like there's like sometimes you're like, oh my god, this easy light work, and then other times you're like, what in the world just happened? Yeah. Here's, well, here's the thing with Tucker is that he, like, he'll he'll always be, like, a good kicker. And then there's people that are going to be better kickers than him every single year. Like, Greg the Leg two years ago when the Rams went to the Super Bowl. Like, he was yeah. on fire. He was insane. And then he, like, fell off. But, like, Justin Tucker, he's always, he's consistently good. He's never really the best, but he's consistently good. He's most I, – I, like they say, he's the most accurate kicker. I mean, yeah. from 45, 50 yards, I mean – most kickers struggle with that. Tucker makes it look easy most of the times. I mean, last year the Browns game, game winner, 45 yards, made it look super easy. Kicked it right down the middle, made it look super easy. I mean, but the Cowboys game kicked it wide left. I mean, I don't know what's going on. Ever since the first, ever since Joe Buck jinxed him the first time against the Saints, I think that was that was three years ago. Lamar's it was it was Lamar's first season. Joe Flacco was playing for us. Uh, Said something about Tucker never misses. misses misses the extra point. We lose that game. Ever since then, points. I feel like Tucker, Tucker has been like on and off since then. Uh, missed field goal against yeah. the Cowboys. Uh, missed extra point two years ago against the Jets. Uh, and then the Bills game was just was just a huge struggle. Missed I think three field goals. Yeah, I mean, I, I like I said, I think Justin Tucker is the most consistent, best kicker in the league. But he's not the, he's not the best kicker in the league every single year. Um, but back, back, we just got off track a little bit. Yeah. Back, to, back to the jerseys. Um, the thing I saw something on Twitter today, and I don't believe everything I see on Twitter. Obviously, I'm, I'm a, I'm a tweeter. Like I'm a big Twitter guy. But um, if you change your number, you have to buy whatever stock is left of your jersey. Like on oh, NFL yeah. shop. I saw that. Which is like. That's messed up, man. Like that's messed up. Like, like I, I'm thinking about it. Like it would be cool. Like not like, like let's let's use Marlon Humphrey for example because he changed his number. He went from 29 to 44, right? Yeah. So let's say you have a 29 Marlon Humphrey jersey and then they, he changes to 44. It would be kind of cool to like go back and buy a vintage 29 Marlon Humphrey jersey, right? I guess. Like you know what I mean? So like if like it's like it's like CD Lamb's 88 right now. If this changes, will probably go back to two like he was in college. It would be cool. Like you could be like, oh, I have like a rookie CD Lamb number eighty eight jersey. I I I think that personally would be kind of cool, just like as like a like a geek in sports. But I I don't think that they should make players buy out their stock because there's fans that are going to want those jerseys. 
Yeah, I agree, but, uh, I feel like so- most people, like, not most, like, some people would, like, disagree. It wouldn't want to, like, buy another jersey, uh, for, for these guys. I mean, once you get one jersey, you're like, alright, I got this jersey, then they switch up on you. You're like, man, I gotta go get a new one now. I want the jersey like he has. So, it, it's, it's like, some fans might think it's frustrating that people keep changing jersey numbers, but I, I can see where you're coming from, though, like, Having to buy your own jersey stock, like that's, that could be like millions of dollars still. It's out like there. yeah, I mean, exactly. That's like, that's like if like obviously it depends on the player, and like most quarterbacks won't switch their number because they already have what they want. Like that's like that's like if Lamar or CD Lamb change their jersey number right now. I mean, they would, they would definitely have to play like thousands, maybe even a million dollars for their old jersey. Yeah, no, I I 100 agree with you. I just think that I think that there could be like. Like, uh, like, we won't even think about, like, the common fan. Let's think about, like, the, the collecting fan. Like, the collector fan. Like, they sell stuff on, like, Amazon or eBay or whatever. Yeah. You get a rookie CD Landers, you'd argue that's more valuable than a rookie CD Land football card. Like, a Panini card. So, I mean, like, that, like, it could be beneficial to those people, too. Like, I don't think the players should have to buy out, like, a million dollars worth of jerseys. So, just a little bit different. But that's all the time we have for this yeah. segment. So, we're going to come back. And we're going to talk about UFC 261 tomorrow. Big things ahead. Yeah. <laughs> We're back again. We're going to talk about UFC for the last segment here. Uh, Sean, you got this one. Yeah, I mean, so you obviously UFC 261 this weekend. But before we talk about that, let's talk about last weekend, the day after we did our show, the UFC lost a soldier, man. I mean, Ben Askren got dropped by Jay Paul in one minute. I don't know why he did that. Like, I, I hate talking about this because we're a sports show, not a, like, pop culture show, and I think Jake, Cole, Jake Paul falls into pop culture. I do not think he's a professional boxer yet. Not but like, at all. He needs, if he fights, like, Tommy Fury and beats him, got my respect. 100% have my respect. If he fights, like, his gardener, like he, he has been, like, no respect for him. I mean, it's just so sad what's happening. And, like, obviously, it's it's great. I'm a boxing fan. It's great. You bring eyes to the sport. Like, it's fell off so much since, like, the Fury day, or, uh, not the Fury days, the, um, the Tyson days, and the the Mayweather and Pacquiao, like, it was so big then, and now it's not. But, like, obviously Jake Paul's bringing eyes to the sport of boxing, which is great for the sport, but, like, he's simultaneously ruining it. Oh, I, I hate it. I agree. I mean, Ben Azraq wasn't even, like, I, I know this, Ben Azraq wasn't even a, like, striker-type guy. He was a grappler, on-the-ground type fighter, and he's going out to try to box. I mean, why would you even try that? It's like Conor McGregor doing the same thing with Floyd Mayweather, what two years ago? Uh, you know Conor McGregor's not a not a boxer type guy. He's like a kick kick type fighter. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a striker. He, he, he strikes people. Like he can't. He's not. He's good in stand up. Conor McGregor's very good in stand up. But like, he's not as technical as Floyd Mayweather, the best boxer of all time. And speaking of Floyd Mayweather, he's supposed to fight uh, Logan Paul June fifth. That's crazy. I, I don't. I just don't get it. Like, why is he doing that? I don't. Me? I don't either. I mean. You're already fifty and zero. Just just leave it. That's you, such a good number too. Like fifty and zero is so much better than fifty one and zero. Yeah, I mean, why why do you want to ruin that? And if you lose this, I mean, you're not going to hear the end Your of it. Your legacy's done. I mean, not done, but like it's 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 there. I mean, the way I think about it is like, I think I saw the stats this morning, and Mayweather can't weigh over one sixty, but like Logan Paul can't weigh more than one ninety. Like there's a thirty freaking pound weight difference, like that like difference in between the two, and he has four inches on him, so much more reach. I just think that. I think Floyd's going to destroy Logan Paul's, like, core. Like, he's, like, he's going to get so many body shots, and he's going to duck and, like, weave, and he's going to win, I think. But why risk your legacy to fight a YouTuber? It just doesn't make any sense. But off of the pop culture box, and let's get to the real fights this weekend, UFC 261. Usman Masvidal 2, 
huge card, three title fights, starting off with the welterweight championship of the world, Kamaru Usman versus Jorge Masvidal. I think that Kamaru Usman wins easily. The last fight, Masvidal obviously took it on short notice. Usman kind of destroyed him. You know, he was just, like, stomping his feet. It was a boring fight, but he ended up winning. And since then, I think that Kamaru's gotten a lot better. I haven't seen Masvidal fight since then. So, speaking of Masvidal, also got to start with kneeing Ben Askren in two seconds. So, that's, that was pretty cool. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one, this first fight? Uh, I think when you go Usman, you look like the better fighter here. I mean, like you said, you said you haven't seen Masvidal fight in a while. So, if you haven't fought in a while, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take some time to try to get back at what you're doing. And if Usman's, like, ready, prepared, he has the right guys, I think he's going to win this one. Yeah, I think. And then the other thing with the welterweight division is that, like, Kamar Usman's literally the two top, the top person in this division. Like, he, he just fought the number one contender. He beat Gilbert Burns handily. And the number two contender, now the number one contender, is Colby Covington. Colby Covington has not fought in so long, and he's begging for a title fight. But, like, Kamar Usman had a good point. He was like, the most active person in the division should not be the champion. Like, he should be taking the fights he wants. You guys should be taking the fights that you don't ha- like. You don't want to take. Which makes so much sense, and I agree with him wholeheartedly. But, at the end of the day, I think Kamara wins this fight and probably beats Colby if they fight again. On to the second fight, we have Wiley Zhang and Rose Namajunas for the women's throwaway title. And, I mean, Rose is a great fighter. She's They call her Ghetto Rose. And she's she can fight, but, like, I saw a video of Wally Zhang training the other day. If she kicked me, she's 115 pounds. If she kicked me, I would move. Like, I would, I would probably go through this glass. That's how much power she has. It's insane. Um, oh but gosh. I'm going to go with Wally Zhang, just, like, on my gut. So, I, I don't know. Like, you probably don't know much about the strawweight division, obviously. But, like, what are your thoughts? I'm going to go Wally Zhang. I mean, <laughs> this girl can kick you. You're bigger than me. I mean, I'm, she I kicks am, you to the wall. I'm, I'm fly. I am a 220-pound man, and... Wiley Zhang is 115 pounds, and she could maybe not through a wall, but like she, like she could kick me, and I'd, I'd move. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't just be standing foot. Like I would move. See, if you would move, I'm 180 pounds. I might fly. I might fly. And I'm, I mean, it's, it's crazy how like powerful she looked. Like look up on ESPN MMA on Instagram after this. I'll show you, but it's nuts. Um, after that, we have the women's flyweight title bout. Valentina Shevchenko, Jessica Andrade, the people that Jake Paul want to fight. See, I keep hearing about Jessica Andrade, so I'm going to go Jessica Andrade. People keep saying this girl can beat Jake Paul, so I think if she can beat a man, she can just destroy this woman. Okay, so let me, let me, let me just let me take you a step back. Um, <clears throat> so, you know Amanda Nunes, right? The greatest woman's fighter of all time. Yeah. The only person that can remotely last five rounds with her is Valentina Shevchenko in the entire UFC. She's lost to her twice, but I'm pretty sure both went to decision, and she lost unanimously. But, like, she's the second-best fighter in the UFC, women's everything, all the divisions. So I'm, I'm going to take the bullet. I'm going to go with Valentina. I'm still going to If you want to take Andrade because people Andrade. want her to beat Jake Paul. I'm still going to take Andrade. I mean, I feel like, I feel like she, she gets the upset here. She I mean, I respect it, but, like, I don't know. Um, I mean, looking at her face right now, this is No, she's, she's, she's a scary she's looking scary. girl. I mean, she is, and she would probably beat me up, too. Like, most people in... Women's UFC would would beat me up. Um, but on to the, let's go to the middleweight bout really quick. Uh, Uriah Hall and Chris Weidman. Uriah Hall coming off a win off one of the best fighters of all time, and Anderson Silva. Chris Weidman, I believe he fought recently. I don't remember who it was, but I mean, you beat. Like, it's, it's pretty much a pick 'em. I think Uriah Hall is plus one hundred. Chris Weidman's at minus one twenty five. So I'm gonna go with Uriah Hall just because like I've seen him fight and he beat Anderson Silva, which is like. 
big. That's a that's a that's a feat in itself. I'm gonna agree with you there. I mean, being Andrews and Silva. I mean, I I've heard I think I've seen Andrews and Silva fight a couple times. So I'm I'm definitely gonna take Yuri Hall on that one. Yeah, and then uh, after that we have a essentially a contender match. Um, Anthony Smith, number six. What division is this? Number six, lightweight, lightweight in the lightweight. world. Um, he's he's a veteran. Uh, he's fought for he's thirty four and sixteen, fought fifty times. Um, Jim Crute's a young guy, twelve and one, looking to prove himself. I'm gonna go with Crute here, just off my gut, because I feel like in the UFC specifically, like whenever somebody's young and they're looking to prove something, they fight so much harder. Somebody, especially like somebody of Anthony Smith, who's been around for so long, and he's thirty four and sixteen in mixed martial arts. I'm going to go with Crew here. I'm going to go Anthony Smith. Um, I feel like the veteran gets the job done. I mean, uh, I, know, I know the young guy might have a bit more in him, but I feel like the veteran stands his ground and gets the job done there. Yeah, I mean, I can respect that for sure, you know. But I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick on my on my original and go Jim Crew. So to wrap it up, yeah, we have Kamaru, Wiley Zhang, Valentina Shevchenko, Yuri Hall, and Jim Crew. Those are my five right there. You got Usman, Wally, Jessica, Yuri Hall, and Anthony Smith. All right, and uh, you guys can listen live at cougarradio.net. Follow us on Instagram and give us a like on Facebook at Cougar Radio. Subscribe on YouTube and Spotify to watch and listen to all our podcasts. Thank you guys for listening. That should be the end of it. Yep, and we'll be back here for our last show next week.